0: Good evening, home This is Dylan Derringer here as All Hallows' Eve approaches us. Whether it is in the religious tradition or the holiday phantasmic, yes, it's that time once again. I particularly love this holiday because I get to dust off my bones and vent around the room listening to the sounds of frights and rituals spread through the campus. Parties often ensue, as is tradition here at Bristol. Somewhere, witches are secretly brewing potions to turn you into worms. <laughs> Just kidding. True witches don't do that. Well, we here at Gristholm respect all walks of life, and there it is. Maybe with a little bit of balderdash to put. I'm here to serve those who find themselves without party. Those who are alone on this amazing night. To those who didn't find themselves out trick-or-treating with friends or... Scaring the likes of I act to serve as their humble guide. This night, we look to one of the spookiest things to have ever come out of this hole.
1: Jean LaRue's old vintage radio flipped off with a sigh. "'Come dance with us!' Molly shouted from the sorority floor. "'You're absolutely going to love the Monster Mash!' A beer sloshed onto her nurse's outfit. Deja's here, you know!' Jean tilted her witch's hat at a precarious angle and sighed happily. Hearing the Monster Mash coming on and holding a Newton Nectar IPA, she looked over the side of the banister. "'I'm coming!' You know I show up to a party. She poured her beer into a tankard. Yes, a tankard. And carried it with her down the stairs. I was working in the lab one evening night. The crowd cheered and started to form some kind of mash themselves. Jean's combat boots hit the floor as she felt a hand on the small of her back. Hey, love. Deja, Jean thought with a sigh of romance. I, I, I gotta think through that touch. Hey, she breathed. Deja, I... The drunken paused to keep the liquor down. "'Wanted to tell you, you're a goddess. I, I'm going to regret that tomorrow,' the sober part of the brain behind the drunken wall said to the drunken part of Jean's brain. "'Honey, we're all goddesses tonight.'" Jean's chocolate skin was glistening as if she had walked through a rainstorm, not to mention she cosplayed as a gender bank Green Lantern. Jean loved comics, and she was infatuated with Deja to a fault. The beer in hand was, to Jean's surprise, the one that she held in her hand. Isn't it funny that, like, I have a Newton Nectar, and you... You have... The, that liquor pause again. A, a Nectar? Jean looked up as Deja took her open hand. They do say mimicry is the ultimate compliment. Jean blushed the color of her skin, which was a murder red, Taking Deja's hand, they swam into the crowd as Dancing Queen kicked off. The party lasted a few more hours, and Jean stayed by Deja the entire time, except to get more drinks of nectar. The music abruptly ended at 2am, the designated Gristholm party closer, the groans from the Sigmas, and their guests were deafened by the screech of a mic. Okay, 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 show's over! Nadia said, calling from the balcony. Get out of here before Campo gets pissy with us again. Get the hell out of my house. Closing time by Semisonic came on. Deja took Jean's hand and squeezed it. I gotta walk home, Jean, she said with the combination of too far gone and deafened by college rock anthems. I'm up in the willows. I'd love to go get coffee sometime, though. You seem pretty rad. Oh my god, is she talking to me? Sober Jean said loudly. She's the prettiest girl I've ever seen and she's talking to me. Watch this, drunk Jean said. I'm making you a star. I, I make coffee like the Moonsloft does. I have their beans. Idiot, Sober said. Deja's hand covered her mouth with a laugh and lingered at the door. Her fingers slowly pulled from Jean's hand. Good night, darling. The eye of Jean's eye Faded into the night like the ambient green she chose to wear. Jean stumbled forward and hit the molding of the doorframe. I love you, you angel. Jean said to the Halloween air. We know, Jean. Find a new topic or we're going to send you to the weirdo alphas. Dolly laughed from the kitchenette. Dolly was Molly's twin and they both could be quite rad. Jean swung herself back into the kitchen and proceeded to help clean up. She looked out the window and noticed a figure in the trees. A figure in the trees? South Campus often had people stumbling back from parties, but this figure was different. Jean knew who it was, and she soared up almost instantaneously. Jean? Nadia said. You okay? Is there a creep out there? Nah, I'm gonna go smoke. For real? Catalina came out of the bathroom, wiping her mouth and burping. You're taking my weed, man? She said in a stoner voice. Only from the bad peeps, man. Jean laughed and punched Kata on the arm. Nah, I got my cigs. Thank God Gristome isn't tobacco-free. Too many vets go here, and the school needs the money. Who said that from admissions? The twins spoke in unison. None-ya. Everybody too drunk to get the joke turned their heads in a quizzical nature while Jean finished the joke. None-ya damn business. This sent them laughing enough for Jean to slip outside with her sigs unrolled from her sleeve pocket. She wore a crop top with black Sabbath logo on the chest. She wasn't small by any means. Filled out quite nicely. If anything, she thought her thighs and glutes were the true peak of her figure. She hated when they rubbed together, but knew that she should be thankful for her frame and features. She stepped into the night and felt the grip of Autumn against sections of her bare skin. She loved it too much to mind. In fact, she she wished Deja was still there to dance with. Jean loved to dance. It was such an understatement, though. Her jams would come on, and it didn't matter if it was a board game or a study session. The ass would sway. Her friends would be dragged into it, too, sometimes to their bemoaned disdain. Regardless, Jean knew how to read people. She approached the figure tentatively. She was not about to be one of those who got assaulted by some drunk asshat on her favorite night of the year. The caution was learned from her mother and from the lessons Campo taught you when you first arrived to campus. She tapped her cigs and pulled one out. Her face lit up briefly as the lighter ignited the tip of her cigarette. She inhaled the menthol and exhaled her worries. The edge of the liquor was coming off. And squinting one eye, running her fingers through her sides of her bob, she heard her voice speak through the empowerment of her cancer stick. Yeah, I get we got a history. But why you gotta sneak around like that? My friends almost saw you, Getherla. The shadowy figure stepped from behind the tree, and the moon caught its square on. Getherla was lanky, with hands that scraped forest floor palms up long tendril-like fingers contrasted to the pointed spears for toes despite this getherla's torso was wispy as shadows danced around the shoulders to create straps in an x the face had deep-set craters for eyes and a mouth that hung open in a constant frown tiny wisps of hair cropped on the scalp and surrounded the neck as if hair was receding into decay. "'I get it. Being an ancient one isn't exactly all it's chalked up to be. What you need from me?' Inhaling the cigarette, Jean LaRue cocked her head towards her patron. "'Hunger,' Getherla hissed. Blood. The question mark on the end of the word made Jean nervous. "'Look, I brought you the regular stuff.' Jean took a plastic bag, zippered shut, and tossed it to the entity." It snatched the bag out of the thin air with its mouth, bursting the bag midair and saturating the ground. I guess you like toad blood, Gene sighed. So I've got through several rings of your trials. Can I get my powers now? Getherless frown turned into a pain smile. The bottomless craters for her eyes thinned at the edges.
0: Blessing. Gene,
1: Back. Gene shifted uneasily. ''Okay, I remember my pact. I will follow through,'' she said through pursed lips surrounding her cigarette. She drew from it again and released away from the being. The smoke, in its white-gray hue, turned a necrotic black and came back to Jean. As she inhaled out of fear, the black smoke began to choke her violently. She dropped to her knees and clutched her throat, beginning to claw. Blood cracked the surface of her skin from her manicured nails. Eyes bulging out of her skull, Jean choked. She hit the ground, starting to at her throat. A minute passed with this gambit continuing, with the bet being her very life. Her head was thrown back, throat pulsing. Getherla drug its hands along the forest floor and unfurled them in the air. The tendrils made their way for Jean's pulsing throat. She fought out of fear, but two tendrils opened The mouth, as the other three descended into her gullet, Jean coughed violently, choking and losing air. Her eyes watered and fear began to take over her body. Then, she felt her feet leave the ground, arms outstretched like performing the Iron Cross. Through the choking, the crying, Jean felt wisps enter her body. She looked down and saw her bones beginning to disappear, then her thighs, then her midriff, and then finally her torso. The cigarette pack hit the ground, followed by her hat and her lighter. Jean inhaled sharply and awoke on the edge of the cliffside, her body rigid as a pole and facing the net below. She began to cry, but heard the voice in her mind fluently. We've come here to talk a little more freely, a woman's voice said. Githerla, why are you doing this? You think a pact is just something to skimp out on? Githerla walked up behind Jean's trembling body. I should kill you now, or one of your precious friends. I am the patron of shadows, Jean LaRue. Shadow. I am everywhere, yet nowhere at once. Her voice cast to Jean's right as Jean fell afoot, then stopped mid-air. Jean was now sobbing. "'Was it what you wanted again? "'As a little girl? "'What was the
0: thing you asked in the empty field calling out to me?'
1: "'Jean sobbed loudly, not caring if she was overheard.
0: for someone to love me and to feel empowered to get out of my town.'
1: "'Jean dropped another twelve inches. "'More,' Githarla said. "'Jean heard a deep chuckle to her left. "'Oh, Guardian Morlon. "'Hello, Githarla, my dear.' Another patron, patrony deal, turning sour. Jean was now hysterically crying as she fell another three feet.
0: I don't want to die.
1: I think I will fight. It will write itself out, Getherilus said to Morlon. Deal with the witch yet? No, I kind of like her, I think. She doesn't bother me. I don't know how you do it. You get used to it. Okay, I'll be more courteous. And, the patron called, I'll do what you want. This is better. Jean floated to the edge of the cliff, where she had both feet on solid ground. She was trying to turn around, but couldn't. Almost. Better. A strong gust of wind sent Jean flying beyond the safety wall of the net, tumbling end over end as she was falling towards the ocean. As she almost broke icy contact, she felt the weight of her body tumble to the ground next to her dropped cigarette carton. Jean's trembling hand grabbed at the cigarettes. Her hand passed through. She cried out in sorrow. Looking around frantically, she saw a body laying down on the ground.
0: Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no.
1: Jean scrambled to her body, touching it. She felt like she was falling again and ended up falling to her bedroom. God! She screamed loudly. She checked her phone on her nightstand and cried out. She was late to class. on a bra rapidly she didn't care if it was a push-up she just had to get out of the sigma sorority and get to her history class jean's iron maiden shirt ripped jeans and vans were in the corner of her room in a pile she slapped them on grabbed her jean jacket and ran down the stairs grabbing her ruck and slinging it over her shoulder she called out to the twins tell your boyfriends i said bye the two female heads popped up from the double couches hair disheveled and groaned from the hangovers The thud that followed was the sound of a cranial bone hitting the bare flesh of the two football players' chests. Jean took her board and pushed off the paved path of the boardwalk. Headphones on, she queued up some somber tunes as the early morning fog surrounded her. A few tricks and swerving around a few science students, Jean stopped short of Varen Hall, which was just short of Route 13. She carried her board into the hall and rounded the corner, slipping quickly into an empty seat by the door of the classroom. An individual with a dapper cardigan was going through the class roll. A few students in the front rolled their eyes as Jean looked over at them. LaRue, Jean, the voice called out. Here, Jean responded. The class exchanged husk whispers as Jean looked around. Why are you all looking at me that way? she thought. LaRue, will you tell me the reason why Bonaparte was so revolutionary to the Western tradition? You see, Napoleon was a statesman. Essentially, the patriarch of modern governance, Jean rattled off the assignment with the required buzzwords to impress the prof. An hour later of lecture, and the class released. The professor, Dr. Mallow, came up to Jean's desk and handed back a paper with a circled B on it. Really proud of you, Jean," Mallow said. "Yeah. Well, why is that, Doc?" Jean smiled. "You came in with a D. Now you learn and you show such a huge improvement." I was captivated, reading your statements about the Gilded Age in America and why it was so impactful on the tradition. It was great work. I'm glad you liked it. I've been trying a lot harder on papers lately. Keep it up, my pupil. Mallow smiled and turned back to the lectern to grab their papers. You'll amaze me on the final, I'm sure. I'll give it my best, Professor. Jean checked her phone and smiled as Nadia requested her at the Pearson Dining Hall for lunch in 15 minutes. Apparently, there were weekend party plans to discuss. The smile that crested Jean's face bore the sunshine of the day, and she threw her headphones back on. Pushing off the pavement, she headed southeast towards Pearson. She glided into the entrance and scanned her key card to get into the building immediately smelling chicken pot pie wafting through the halls. To her left, the stairs that led to Dylan Derriger's radio program, WGSO. Her right, a descending staircase that led to the Tribute, a college bar that she frequented when she felt like eating grease and regret. The entrance above held an amazing chandelier that was from the early 17th century. She always took note of it before heading into the main dining commons. Despite the pushback from historians, the hall was owned by Gristholm and its donors, so natural skylight was put into the ceiling. The floors were still their ancient selves, but this made Jean laugh. Where does mundarity stop? The world would never know. Jean shouldered her ruck and continued into the kitchen area. As she entered, she saw how the circular layout gave students the ability to go whichever station they liked to procure their foodstuffs. The bar of drinks set up Along with the vegetarian and vegan options for other students, Jean felt like an omelette today, so she waited in line for about 15 minutes. Omelette day was a big deal for the students here at Gristholm, and Jean wasn't going to miss out. The 15 minutes passed relatively quickly, without too much to do. Jean smiled, though when she joined the table with her friends in the dining hall, with high vaulted ceilings and Amber Fireplace. Jean sipped on her water from the water fountain in her reusable bottle. Do you think like... Oh, hey, Jean. Sorry, do you think like we're in a simulation? Laura said, her eyes bulged. No, I don't think so, Jean said as she sat down. Can you all tell me if you've had anything weird happen to you recently? What you mean? Kimber said, leaning over the other side of the great table, pushing Nadji out of the way. I collided with Dawson outside of the Willow Apps this week. The women cooed as Jean slapped the table. I mean like ghosts. Weird dreams. Anything? They all exchanged glances at each other and chuckled nervously. Nadja leaned in and pointed her fork at Jean. I actually saw something creepy lingering out my window. It looked like this long, tall, dark figure. Oh yeah? Yeah, she said. It was super lanky. But it moved so quickly, once I looked at it, everyone around Jean shifted nervously. I have no idea what it was. A half hour passed, and Jean finally stood up as the last of her friends left. She shouldered her ruck, grabbed her board, and scanned the afternoon lit dining hall. Smiling, Jean finally grabbed her board and cautiously skated out of the hall. Sunlight broke her eyes as she left Pearson Dining Facility and skated across campus. She dodged a few stragglers, leaving the boardwalk and heading along the edge of the cliff to make out or walk hand in hand. Careening through these people, Jean finally made her way to her second destination, the Moon's Loft, a java house with some gorgeous looking people and even better cups of coffee. This was a refuge for Jean right before she went to her maths class at 1400. 1400, thought Jean suddenly. Her board started to wobble. Why did I just say 1400? She hopped off the board as her vision blurred. The world began to turn as she heard Getherla call to her. Remember, Jean? Remember when you were deployed to Afghanistan in 13? I do. I remember it very well. Getherla smirked through her snort. I remember when you were begging to be saved on the battlefield. The cold embrace of death as the IED went off under your truck? That could have been your fate. Jean felt herself screaming internally. No, Jean. This was not our fate. This was the fate of the Guardian of Shadow. It needs a host. Jean looked at her hands and saw the slender hands that once held an M16 morph into an asparagus-style wisps. Jean saw her board roll down the hill. How old were you going to be when the pact was finally in effect, Jean? Was it 28? Was it 30? Was it 45? Jean began to feel the pain returning to her body, where she had laid on the bloodstained battleground of a foreign land. The chill was creeping in waves of intensity. It was 26, you dumbass. Jean felt her heart beating slower. And slower. And slower. Until it was a thready pulse. Let's see, you're going to be the new guardian. What's the advice I should give you? The breath began to slow in Jean LaRue's body. The first, you can't leave your post until properly relieved. Crunch! Jean felt Jean's bones began to snap from the weight of the truck she flipped out of in Afghanistan. She could feel it coursing through her body. Second, you're never relieved. Jean was crying out in pain. This time her head was throbbing. Third, a guardian keeps the world in balance. You'll find a good name in the old tongue once you have earned it. It comes to you after a while. Jean's face was now on the pavement, looking up into the cosmic eyes of Getherla. Getherla leaned down and exhaled. Now I'm free. She kissed Jean on the lips, and Jean exhaled her last breath. As she did... She felt her mortal body fade through the pavement and into the earth. A dark wisp of energy passed into her as she was thrown into the air, spiraling and tumbling. Jean LaRue, 25 years old, forgot it was her birthday. After waking up late on Halloween for her classes, she made the pact with the Guardian of Shadow, trying to spare herself on the fields of foreign lands to get home to her family and friends. She completed the pact only thinking about the present. What she didn't realize was that the turn of events that followed and how they would affect her future. She came back from the battlefield, having been medically discharged from the army. Several thousand dollars in surgeries later, Sergeant Jean LaRue could walk again. She took up a longtime passion of skateboarding, having admired Tony Hawk growing up. Her academic record was greatly sought after by those at Gristholm, since she was from Billings originally. Jean LaRue applied following her deployment. However, there were consequences to the pact that she made. The first was that Jean lost her memories of coming to Gristholm. The second, her family and friends from back home were planted memories. Third, Jean would experience some of her powers in increments, but would not come to fruition until her twenty sixth birthday, when her natural body would disintegrate and she would become the new guardian of shadow, defending Gristholm's balance until she was freed. She herself floating, astral in nature, through the trees of Gristholm, heading north towards the woods on the edge of the plateau. What's next? Jean LaRue wondered as she became, barreling feet first to a rigid position, looking out over a series of trees. Jean couldn't move, nor could she speak. She was stuck like a statue, staring out into the evening, which turned into evenings of Gristholm's northern woods. Students passed into the years following 2015. Jean slowly felt the warping of her mind, eclipsing the human panic she felt. On the exterior, students would pass on the daily and see what appeared to be a solitary tree starting the boardwalk, a guardian of the balance between the woods and the college. It was here that Jean grew into the bane of force and shadow. It wasn't until the fall of 2019 was Jean having watched over the gateway that something happened. Jean watched as a yo- lovely young couple frolicked through the woods, hand in hand. Fifty yards out, they skipped and laughed like little kids, having found the perfect match for their minuscule life. They walked up to the tree. Jean, at this point, was intently watching, sensing something. And the girl let go of the boy's hand. Did you ever hear that rumor about the girl who disappeared from campus one night? Jean recognized the face for some reason. Yeah. The muscular boy said, looking up into the tree and into Jean's eyes. Heard about that at a party. You don't really believe that she got turned into a tree or was murdered, do you? I kind of do, actually, as the girl quickly shoved a blade into the boy's back, spilling blood all over the tree. In her delirium, Jean felt a necrotic energy seeping into the roots of the tree like an espresso shot to the vein. Finally, Jean yelled, having not realized this was what she needed. She was my lover, Deja said as she left the boy bleeding on the ground, eventually to expire. Deja looked up into the tree, kissed the bark, and walked away. Jean, on the inside, felt the blood pumping in her veins. As she considered whether or not she was going to burst from the tree, she felt herself falling forward. In a large crackling sound, the tree split in the center and Jean LaRue fell forward onto the wet earth. Her hands were covered in the blood of the young man, but she didn't care. She was free, and looking into the night sky, it began to rain. Jean LaRue walked into the oncoming storm. She felt the rain crescendo as it passed over her. She wasn't naked. In fact, she was wearing what she was wearing several years ago. Was this a second chance at life? Was this some kind of universal do over? Why did she thirst for blood so deeply, and what kind of effect did it have? Jean blinked into the rain, walked towards the town of Newton Falls slowly. She was absorbing all the things she was not able to following her transformation. She could now see at amplified distances, hear the crickets chirping several hundred yards away in their forest homes. Jean focused on them sharply and felt herself ringing and rising in the air. She looked at her hands and saw the shadows billowing from the fingertips. Her jaw unhinged into a wicked grin, followed by a cackle. A deer was walking into the forest as, at the base of the plateau, and Jean's neck snapped uncomfortably. She felt her eyes widen in a blood-filled craze. The deer didn't know what hit it as she incorporeally launched herself as the shadow towards the unsuspecting fauna. Jean feasted well. To the unsuspecting bystander, it was some kind of apex predator killing a deer. was working late tonight because the new hand had called off for some godforsaken reason she was always open for the college kids who would stumble down the hill drunk or lonely looking for someone to take care of them susie swept behind the counter turning her back to the door she had her eyes on the floor and chose slow deliberate sweeps to keep her old body awake it's gonna be one of those nights gene appeared in the doorway, and Susie jumped and put a hand on her chest. Jean Larue slowly walked to the bar-like counter and sat down. She grabbed a cup of coffee and started sipping on it, eyes closed. How did you get into my diner without the door ringing? Probably zoned out. In fact, Jean had floated in through the double doors. Ah, well, what what brings you in? A chicken sandwich, please. Baked chicken patty, please. Susie smiled and walked to the back to begin cooking. Jean leaned back into the seat, sighing. The diner interior itself was very retro, with posters on the walls of Susie's favorite bands growing up. It wasn't anything flashy or new retro, just what it was. The guardian got up to use the restroom out of habit, but stopped at the edge of the door. You're one of them, aren't you? Jean turned slowly to see Susie sitting down a chicken patty sandwich leaning on the bar with attended care for those vagabonds of life who came through her doors. I've seen your types before. Dark, mysterious, coming in to see the college. Used to ride around with your crew growing up. I just got into town, Jean lied. I was dropped off at the bus station here in Newton. What's your name? Jean stopped for a second. She remembered her name from her guardianship, but couldn't bear to use it for some reason. She needed to lay low, change the name, Did ditch the old persona, but what end? These thoughts raced through her brain as she found the name rolling off her tongue. Simmons. Echo Simmons. Echo? I feel like that's not your birth name, but the times have changed from when I was your age. Susie smiled. I have something for you, Echo. What? Susie held the swinging door to the back of the house. I'm not sure why I feel like giving this to you, since I was maybe thinking of my own ventures once I retire. Through the kitchen, she and Echo walked slowly through the kitchen door to another door. Susie smiled as she opened it with a twist of a knob to a tiny garage. She motioned for Echo to walk through. Echo saw a tarp covering a moderately sized object and looked at Susie oddly. Susie, closing the door, shuffled to the tarp and yanked quickly. Echo smiled there at what she saw. Under the top tarp was a 1982 Honda Silverwing motorcycle that looked practically brand new, despite the year. Echo scanned it lovingly, then realizing what she was doing, looked to the proprietor of the restaurant. Why are you doing this, really? Susie smiled and looked lovingly at Echo. I believe in being kind to everyone, but again... "'Something tells me you need this more than I do. "'Plus, I can save up for another one in a different time. "'You youngins keep me busy.' "'She held up the keys to Echo and sent them into her hand. "'If you need a job, come find me.' "'Echo pulled Susie into a hug and said caringly, "'Don't worry about me. I'll be fine.' "'A few minutes later, Susie waved to Echo "'as she took off south into Newton Falls.' Echo laughed maniacally as she rode away, both with how she kept her insanity together during such a conversation, and with the stroke of luck she had. This poor old woman didn't know any better at the kind of monster Echo had become. However, she knew she couldn't travel too far from the school, for something internally was calling her back there. Echo leaned into the twists and curves as she attempted to make her way to Billings, hoping to lie in someone's hotel bed and bum a cigarette for the preserved lungs. Spring term of 2020 rolled around the bend. Students were coming back into Grisholm at a slow stream. They had a few days to move in if they came from a different school. At the Office of Admissions, they were always accepting. While the main secretary was listening to Dylan Derringer at WGSO, the little bell to indicate someone came through the door rang into the ancient building. Delilah Peters, "'looked up to see a young woman wearing an Iron Maiden shirt and combat boots "'with a packet of info in her hand. "'Can I help you, dear?' "'Yeah, I'd like to apply for admission,' Echo Simmons said. "'Certainly. Can I see your transcripts?' "'Delilah took the packet and opened it. "'She paused as she read the letter from the governor of the state. "'Looking at Echo, with a slight confused expression, she spoke up. "'Why didn't we know the governor's daughter was coming to visit?' Wouldn't she come with you? Mom was busy. Can you please accept me? Echo's eyes flashed a dull purple. Mom really wants me to get in. The secretary began to work as Echo sat down and crossed her legs. A half hour passed and Miss Peters came back with a welcome bag, a set of room keys, and an ID for Echo Simmons. My dear, you're all set. Take these keys for your very own willow apartment on North Campus. Would you like me to... Get someone to scold you. Sure. Let's see what you have in the way of customer service. A phone call later, and a young woman walked through the door. Long black hair, a trench coat, and pointed shoes with leggings walked through the door. Lucia Frey, do you mind escorting Miss Simmons to Willow Apartment? Care to stop for some coffee first? Lucia said. I run the Moon's Loft. It's, it's on me today. Sure. Echo said, standing up. I can tell you just about everything there is about Gristome, Lucia said. I can tell you the names of all the cool hangout spots, the way we run classes, even the... Lucia stopped and looked around as the young woman disappeared right after they left the house of admissions. She looked around, wondering what mystical entity had made its way onto campus. Lucia pondered about what this was as she went back to the moon's loft, hoping it wasn't anything too serious. It wasn't until the next morning, on her daily run, when she noticed the white pine tree that had split in two and the dead body of her classmate on the ground drained of blood. Echo, being only a half mile away from Lucia's discovery, lay sound asleep, resting for the first time in years. Her classes didn't start till Monday, but her hunt would begin tonight, for she craved human blood so intensely that she would do anything to save it even if it meant killing a few Gristholm students along the way. This Gristholm Halloween special was produced, written, and recorded by Joseph Byers. You can find more about Gristholm and the other projects that we at Fizz Nation have going on by going to our Twitter page and typing in at the Fizz Speaks. Give it a follow. You can also find us on Facebook at Gristholm Podcast. And if you really like the show, please like, share, comment, Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors, tell somebody about the show. It really means a lot. And finally, I hope you have a safe and pleasant Halloween, and hopefully you don't see any Guardians running around. Be sure as well to stay in, in contact with us as we will keep producing more content on the first of the month, every month. Thank you guys so much, and we're always accepting admissions here at Home.